0: You're listening to Make It Thrive, the company culture podcast. I'm your host, Lizzie Benton, company culture coach and founder of Liberty Mind. And I want to inspire people to create unique company cultures where our human potential can thrive. In this podcast, I talk to organizations, thought leaders, and people about the impact of company culture. Together, we can make it thrive. This season is sponsored by the Breathe Culture Pledge, a community of like-minded SMEs who are committed to building and maintaining a people-first culture. Whether you've got your company culture nailed or need a little guidance to improve it, joining the Breathe Culture Pledge gives you the recognition and resources you need to help your culture flourish. Plus, it's 100% free. Join over 700 SMEs And invest in your people today. Head over to breathehr.com forward slash culture pledge to find out more. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Make It Thrive. We're now on the last stretch of this season. So if you've only just joined us, the best part is being able to go back and enjoy the other episodes, including the past eight seasons. If you love hearing about new ways of working and have a passion for building companies with purpose, then don't forget to subscribe as there is so much more to come from this podcast. I wouldn't want you to miss out. In today's episode, I'm joined by Tony Finnamore, founder of the UK's first subscription-based volunteer community. Tony is a positivity powerhouse whose mission is to change the charitable giving model here in the UK. As a social impact lead, community builder, and a lover of all things kindness and connection, I know that today, Tony will seriously transform the way you think about the traditional CSR model in your organisation. So let's get started. Hi, Tony, and thank you so much for joining me on the Make It Thrive podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, First of all, I just want to kind of get us kicked off with how we actually met, because I think it's one of the funniest stories. I have, in terms of, um, I suppose people in film would call it a me cute (laughs) Totally.
1: Totally, it (laughs) really was.
0: So it was all down thanks to our friend Susie, who was writing about the Workplace Wellbeing event Mm -hmm. at Olympia London. And Susie and I hadn't actually met in person yet, so we had also done podcasts. I'd been on her podcast, Big Juicy Creative. Mm -hmm. She'd been on my podcast. And it was the first time we were me- meeting in real life, which was very exciting anyway, because we'd obviously had multiple Zoom calls and things. Cool. Um, and we met up, and then she was, you know, I was in my pink Lucy and Yak jumpsuit. And then she was like, hang on a minute, there's clearly a trend going on. And you were sat close by. And she was like, excuse me. <laughs> yeah. Hi. I was like, hi, <laughs> ladies. <laughs> and we ended up having a picture together because we were in our non
1: corporate um, attire for a workplace wellbeing event. It was like a sea of black suits, wasn't it? And we just walked in, we, we brought the light. It was good. It was I love like... that, brought the light. <laughs> yeah, just black.
0: I think it's one of those things where I don't know why, I'd, I don't even know why I'd gone in my pink jumpsuit, if I'm honest. I think it was just because it was comfortable. Like, those jumpsuits are so comfortable mm-hmm. and...
1: I've worked from home for so long that I just no longer want to be uncomfortable in what I'm wearing. Oh, Mine used to be so, it's bright yellow, obviously, but it used to be so, so bright. I have worn it so many times. It is now as dull as dishwater. I'm like, you got to stop it. Either that or buy a second one, one of the two.
0: <laughs> oh, don't. I keep getting all the emails at the moment and I'm like oh do I get like the leopard print dungarees is that too Don't
1: nice? tell me I don't want to know
0: <laughs> oh but that was yeah one of the best ways I think I've met someone yeah, and since too. then it's been so nice to to follow your work so tell oh. our audience more about the social society what is it all about?
1: Yeah so we like the, the UK's kind of a first subscription-based volunteer community I guess um so people subscribe they share their time their skills their expertise but we and we also run events Obviously, to connect people and just to have fun, um, but our sort of main premise, I guess, is long-term support. Like, not just one-off tick boxes; it's long-term, sustainable support, um, and it's super fun. <laughs> I love it, and I must say as well because I was obviously doing
0: my bit more research before and um, mm-hmm. sort of interview, and and I went on the website and. I was like wow it's just so much fun and it's so bright and exciting and your mission is so clear it's like one of the most Mm -hmm. gorgeous branded websites I've seen for a long long time Um, because even when we met I I really enjoyed the fact that you didn't give me like a boring business card you gave me like a packet of flower seeds and it had your business details on. I was like this lady is
1: cool. So, um, people, honestly, people right. like, must get, they wake up, their hate like, why have we got boxes of plants? This is so random. Yeah, <laughs> <they can't reach.
0: laughs> oh no, super cool idea. I definitely think it's one of the best, yeah, the most memorable ways someone's kind of given me their I business know. card
1: in quotes. <laughs> yellow sunflowers, uh, yellow, sorry, yellow jumpsuits and sunflowers. There
0: you go. There you go. I'm never going to forget you, Tony. <laughs> So obviously, the social society is all about volunteering, connecting with charities. Mm-hmm. Um, is, what kind of really drew you into this line of work, if you don't mind us going into that kind of, yeah, of story. what
1: kind of brought you into this world? course course now I'm always on my soapbox about it um I think so I've I don't think I know I've been sort of in charity for 20 years I guess and it started in sort of NHS and and support work then went into advocacy then went on to manage services and every single step of the way it's always been to like do better do for people or communities from a community development perspective Um, and then ended up sort of managing services nationally and what we call statutory services which is basically things provided by the government that you know legally we should all have access to like education health gp surgeries etc um so i did that for so so long but got really really super tired with commissioners or the people that hold the purse strings kind of saying oh you're doing a really great job of managing these teams and these provisions but actually we need to cut your budget by 240,000 pounds, and we need you to do 50% more of the work. And and as a person that's, you know, from an operational perspective, you can be creative and innovative and upskill your teams, etc. Um, but the reality in communities was really bleak, it was really harsh, you know, my teams would say to me, we've had another suicide today or we have another family that can't access the food bank or you know this elderly care provision for this person's mother is going you know it's it was just constant constant crisis um and so I was like oh how do we sort of do this how do we do better i got really really tired of kind of trying to fight the good fight and realizing i wasn't getting anywhere so i kind of came back down the ladder and went back down to started in community. So started running events and bringing people together, which is how the social element of the social society kind of started, um, because it was re- found it was really valuable just for people that were super isolated, get them together, have a drink, connect, et cetera. Um, We'd volunteer, but they would say the same thing. How do we give back in a way that's long-term and sustainable? And that's kind of how it was born. So we created a model where we would you know we had the fees so we raised funds for charities we'd give people the skills we'd give people the time they needed um where like the giant holes in communities exist where government funds are being cut constantly it's the small charities that kind of step up to plug those gaps mm-hmm. so we thought hey how about we just be responsive to the community's need and give back from the bottom up um and that's how it started
0: <laughs> amazing, amazing. And you're obviously a passionate advocate for these kind of local communities, these yeah, local. local charities. Yeah. And so often they like you say they are the ones that, that plug these gaps and unfortunately yeah. because of what the government can't provide or yeah. won't provide, mm-hmm. um, you know, they're the ones really stepping into play mm-hmm. those roles. And I mean, I don't know whether you saw recently on social media there was a really big kind of kind of a controversial I think it was on LinkedIn and someone was saying we do realize that we shouldn't actually need charities and fortunately it's because of the lack of support that we get from the government
1: that we even have to have charities in the first place. A hundred percent and I'm with them to be fair and people are like no but but it's true we shouldn't we should have structures in society that support us uh, you know individually children elderly whoever we should just have cool services. Unfortunately, and this is not a new thing, you know, this has been going on for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. Um, Money is not being spent in the right places and people are suffering. And I think, you know, October is going to be another big with the price increases, people are going to struggle, struggle more. And I think that it's down to us as individuals and and businesses to sort of go, okay, let's go back down and start with the people and, and do good.
0: Yeah, definitely. And in terms of those local charities, I mean, I remember from my experience, so there's a few kind of local things I've been involved in. So um, a few years ago, Mm -hmm. pre-pandemic, I was what they call a befriender. So I was um, working with a local... elderly sort of charity to basically they'd they'd assign me up with a elderly person that I'd go and visit just have cup of tea and biscuits with basically um just to help them the sort of loneliness pandemic that was going on um and then unfortunately obviously that shifted because of the pandemic they weren't allowing people to visit the elderly and all of that kind of thing and one thing I found from my own experience of trying to give back in some way was the amount of bureaucracy and paperwork and all of the kind of red hoops you have to pass through. I mean, even just doing the the, the befriending, yeah. I had to have a full day of training with the charity, which is totally fine, but that's a full day out of my, my work. Um, the amount of paperwork that was involved, um, the DBS checks, um, all of those kind of things. There's so many things. And I think in total, I had three months of paperwork and hoops to run through before I could then actually be put on the ground as it were Mm -hmm. um and it was just crazy I mean you talk a lot about this on on your website as well about this bureaucracy that we have to jump
1: through I think and time, I think it's the time and a lot of it. So don't get me wrong. There are two things here. There were like some of the hoops that we'd have to jump through from a safeguarding perspective, I guess, especially when you're working, when you're working with children and, and, you know, vulnerable people, that's, that's never going to go away. I think some of the timescales. It's literally the small charities doing the great work on the ground floor, don't have the capacity, don't have the resource often to manage and run and recruit and do this volunteer process efficiently. And so what happens is people go, "Oh, I really want to help. I really want to do good. And then a week and a half later, it either drops off or you're three months down the line and you still haven't had an induction. Um, And that's probably one of the biggest bits of feedback that we've had from the beginning. And well, through my career, actually, is that it is really, really hard to volunteer and it's you know unfortunately it is because they're just under resourced um yeah it's hard
0: yeah definitely and it's one of those things I think as well where in terms of you you want to give back you know especially when more people you know maybe they a lot of the time they have personal attachments to certain charities for for a personal reason maybe they've experienced something like that so they want to go and help maybe they have, you know, flexible time and think, well, actually something I can do with this time is, is give back to my local community because yes. I work flexibly now. Yes. Um, and the thing is, it's one of those things where, you know a lot of businesses are also starting to ju- jump on this this whole you know giving time to teams to volunteer you know that that's become quite a common thing now in company mm-hmm. cultures where you get I don't know two days a year or however many you get given um, yeah. a quantity of days that you can use towards volunteering for, for your chosen mm-hmm. charity um, and like we said you know in terms of corporate social responsibility it's nothing new you know Cadbury's for example as a brand were doing this Decades ago. I mean, obviously, they're not quite as great now, um, but they were really one of the brands, the, co- the corporates that kind of really started it. Mm-hmm. Um, but from where, you, from your experience, where does it all kind of get lost with the, the, the link between people and businesses and supporting these charities?
1: I think firstly, and I have huge, going back slightly, a couple of um, sentences ago to what you said, I have huge beef, <laughs> we call it that, with the whole like, oh, just allocate our team like two days a year or five days And it's really, really common. But on the flip side of that, businesses will come to me and say, oh, like, oh, nobody's engaging with those volunteer days or nobody takes the time. And I'm like, oh, yeah, what a surprise. It's it's not long term. It's meaningful. It is very tick box. And it's just we are it's changing but I think in terms of CSR there is still this huge NESG and all these like waffy frameworks and complex structures that people integrate into their organization I think it's a very it's an additional nice to have for organizations and I think we should completely flip the switch and just make you know let's be responsive to the needs of the communities that we're all living within and sort of integrate that giving back in a way that is meaningful and actually means something to people to community into the workplace. You know, you don't have to have your allocated team day or your allocated let's go dig the allotment or clean the graffiti off the bus shelter. And I always use those as an example and people are like, it's not still happening, Tony. Surely it's not, but I do still get emails about it and it sends me insane. So it's like, let's not have it as these really overly complex structures and frameworks that we need to sort of shout about. Let's just do good um, and really integrate that work into the workplace. And in turn, it helps people feel valued you know from an upskilling learning development perspective there's a whole heap of benefits for employees sort of so yeah it's good it's a win-win yeah oh my gosh yeah hell yeah i oh my gosh
0: it's so funny you say that as well about some of the things that people are doing Mm. because that's too often as well a lot of the the CSR initiatives, and I really even hate that word. I mean, I don't know about mm. you, but it just makes me go, ugh, like, really? Yeah. <laughs> it just it so doesn't sound great, does it? No. It sounds like um, almost like Dr. Evil's get-out-of-jail-free card. Like, I can be evil, but as long as I'm doing a bit of
1: good, it's okay. Now they have stuck the ESG out there, and I get that that's much, a little bit more progressive, but it's still, like, what even is that? Like, it's just another tick box framework. What?
0: It's so funny, but there is, isn't there? You know, with I mean, across the year, you always see there's a big push from companies doing all these charity and awareness days. Um, you know, I mean, we've recently had Pride. And, you know, everyone would have been out there doing, you know, all the corporates doing all this stuff around pride, Mm -hmm. um, just basically culture washing themselves Mm -hmm. constantly. Mm -hmm. Um, And they have these huge advertising budgets. So they get to do all these like, you know, oh, we're really diverse and inclusive and we're doing these things for charity. Mm -hmm. Um, But it it feels like they get kind of carried away with these bigger initiatives that are huge on a huge, huge scale yeah. and totally forget about where they're actually based, like the actual local communities, what sure. they're part of that
1: actually have needs. and also I think if individuals looked at it from an individual perspective I think there's an education piece I guess and that sounds a bit waffy as well but if people could really understand the sort of connection between the lack of structure in society and the lack of support from the government um, and the small charities I think that would help slightly because it's it's about when your friend needs mental health support and she can't access the crisis intervention team because they're operating at no you know skeleton structure or no one it's the small charity that helps her it's when the elderly care package for your nan or your auntie betty you know falls through it's the small charity that helps her it's when your employees don't come in and sally for marketing or, or finance doesn't come in because she has to you know prop up the additional care for a carer's allowance it's the small charities that will help yeah, get her absolutely. back into the work. and it's true because there's so much that impacts people's
0: lives now you know there's there's like we've like we have mentioned previously you know that cost of living crisis that we're, we're going to go into and there's also you know we're living mm-hmm. in an age where we now have not only childcare needs but also elderly needs and care um, requirements um, you know I've spoken to people previously who they've had to use their their working hot like their, their holiday time in order to care for people in their family um, and it's like because the services aren't mm. available or that it's, it's way out of their, you know, uh, available budget. So it's things yeah. like that where companies don't seem to actually connect the the dots with what's actually impacting our people. What are the things that are yeah. making it a struggle? They They yeah. tend to kind of layer it with all these like, oh, we'll do these benefits kind of way of approaching it. Rather than thinking, oh, what could we actually do that will have real impact?
1: Nobody needs another 10% off at the coffee shop. or or another gym membership nobody needs it and i think the tides are turning i think it's a slow change but i think covid as horrific as that was it's made people go oh okay actually we really do need to focus on community and come back down that ladder slightly and organizations and individuals don't want to work for, for companies that don't do that um i was talking to someone the other week about public health inequalities and it's basically just a fancy way of saying what you said there like there are people and demographics and individuals in communities that are really really struggling so instead of as an organization or a big corporate saying oh we're going to create this really fancy framework stop just stop the way you're going to get bob and into the marketing you know team back in work or sally and finance because they're struggling outside is to support the groups that are supporting communities um you know you're not an expert in that field so how about help them help them what they do best um and ultimately you will have a better workforce as a result yeah, definitely you,
0: we've mm. mentioned as well about you know the difficulty of becoming a volunteer as well so the kind of the burdensome process and that kind of link with trying to find kind of almost have a match of something that you know you could do that because let's be honest volunteering can also be quite an intense experience um yeah it's you know that's one thing that I certainly learned when I was doing my volunteering is um you know it's not just the time piece of giving your time but it's also sharing your energy with somebody else and not taking on their kind of problems as your own and things like that it's it's there's so much you have to learn Um, you know how does how does the social society kind of ease these pains when people just want to do good
1: yeah I mean for want of a better word I guess we handhold so we lead on and we facilitate skill sharing programs or these volunteer programs they're three months long we have we sort of Create skills-based profiles not only based on sort of workplace skills and career, etc., but also passion projects and hobbies. So, if you really like photography, you know we'll match you with um, a charity that likes—I don't know—needs some imagery for their social media. So we smush workplace skills and passion projects together, and then we handhold. We say to them, "What is it you really want to do? How often do you want to do it?" And we make sure that that matches really, really well with the charities that are looking for support and. We, we were never, never short of charities. You know, there's always someone wanting something. Um, and so we just, we handhold effectively. We make it easy for them. Um, and we have six charities in each city as well. So it's not just, you know, they have choice and they can choose from charities on the sort of inside the community.
0: I love that. I think that's so important because we all have those skills that we can share. There's so many things that we can actually do good with. So as well as, yes, we might do that as a job. Um, but to be able to go and offer out that that skill to a charity who we know it's gonna really support, that's amazing because yeah. then it means we're we're using part of who what we can do and what we do so well to support nice. those charities that are they're doing amazing. I think it's such a mm-hmm. amazing organization that you've set up, Tony. Thank you. <laughs> and, um so before we kind of wrap up, we have a quick yeah. fire round just to make it a bit Ooh. fun and interesting. This is top secret, so okay. Tony doesn't know what I'm about to ask her no. <laughs> just <laughs> to keep it interesting yeah, a <laughs> so my first question is song or playlist that makes you
1: instantly feel good oh uh happy by is it for Ralph? oh
0: yeah I like that one I mean
1: that's yeah. such a cliche but it is it's got a great beat
0: love that I think that's on one of my playlists too yeah, um, a book or podcast
1: that changed your life oh my life there are so many but I'm really obsessed with Stephen Bartlett's diary of a CEO at the moment so and there are so many bits in that so I'm going to say that oh, nice yeah the
0: best advice you've ever been given just be you just be you very, you do you very very valid love that <laughs>
1: one bucket list item that you're yet to tick off oh it's bungee jumping but I hate heights so it's going to stay on the list for a little while (laughs) oh my gosh yeah that is bold that is bold
0: and then the last one is if you could create a placard for a public protest
1: what would it be I think about this all the time, (laughs) depending on society, and it changes on a daily basis, but actually I have whittled it down to um, it's up to us. Mm. I think I would put that on there because ultimately it starts with us or something along those lines, because it does. I think we can, like I said earlier, we can create these fancy frameworks and systems and processes, but it's about people, it's about community. It does, it starts with us. People have the power to make huge, huge change Um, so yeah Yeah,
0: it's so true isn't it I was even seeing on the news recently and I think we we kind of forget that we do have some power we kind of you know it's so easy to read the news and watch social media and feel powerless in all of these situations Um, and and it's kind of the the story that's being dripped fed to us like oh you're powerless to all of these changes yeah but there are so many things going on and I saw in the news about you know the fact that the the strikes are happening um with the trains and you know there's the the presenters thinking that people are going to be like oh these are really annoying they're like yeah they're annoying but i totally agree with why they're striking and they should be allowed to strike and we forget that yes we're
1: actually i think that people movement needs to happen so much more yeah we have a voice i've got so many placards at the end of the bed i'm ready I'm ready. I've been ready since I was born. Why does that not surprise me?
0: So is there anything you would like to share with our audience, Tony, before
1: we say our goodbyes? I think we've covered so much. I think we've covered so, so much. But yeah, I think if anybody does want to find out about doing good um from right within community and they're unsure as to how what time they could give what skills they have like just get in touch because it's a really easy breezy great community of people that genuinely just want to do good so yeah that's all i'd say
0: amazing and i will drop every piece of information um in the show notes as well so there's the website go and check out the social society website and um, I definitely highly recommend Tony on TikTok now that Tony's doing TikTok so definitely go and discover that as well so I'll pop all the notes um, in the show notes so that you can go and discover it for yourself but thank you so much for joining me Tony thank you
1: thank you so much